0: Nick Angeloni is a composer, audio engineer, pianist, and synthesist who releases work under the name Enso.
1: The name is is a just incredibly clever um, stylization of uh, Enso, E N S O, which is a Zen practice where you've got this thick paintbrush and you'll draw slowly a, a just a big circle, and just the whole idea is just not thinking about it and just letting your body sort of fall however it does as you make the circle. In general, my process is not very cerebral or even deliberate most of the time. Um, like it's rare that I will, have a concrete idea in my head before I go to record or or compose and you know it's rare that I'll be like I want this track to be about x now let's try and make something that gets to that point usually it's more uh, if I'm feeling inspired or creative or just emotional in some way that day I'll just sit at the piano or play with the synthesizer The Enso thing does sort of tie in with that approach in that I do I try not to think about things too much in the process of creating and sort of the the infant stages of of composition. And I just sort of react to sort of whatever improvisation I'm coming up with. It's, It's very much a reactive process with my own brain of just, okay, I'm feeling this way, but I'm also feeling this sort of weird mix of being a little creative. Let me just go sit down at the piano and try something. And nine times out of ten, it's it's nothing. It's horrible. I discard it. And then every once in a while, something great happens. And I'll I'll take note of that. And then sort of from those moments of discovery, from those scraps, I'll sort of assemble some sort of complete work.
0: In this episode of Sound in Process, Nick will guide us, for lack of a better phrase, into the valley. Thank you so much for listening.
1: There are tracks like uh, Into the Valley, which is like this complex arrangement with all these layers and this, this big build. Like for that, I have to be pretty deliberate. And then there's also tracks um, that are... Much more free, where where I really I just recorded straight from, you know, two track live, and just how it came out was how it came out, and so I, I like to sort of mix both of those ways of working. I think a lot of the time I have scraps of ideas, um, and. With this album, a lot of the beginnings of tracks were leftover sort of unfinished ideas from A Stroke of Blue. I sort of revisited some of those scraps and repurposed them to fulfill the vision of this new album. That happens a lot where I I play with these tools and these instruments and I get little ideas that I will then sort of... Construct over long periods of time like some tracks take forever into the valley I had the beginnings of that track idea for probably two three years at this point <laughs> and I just sort of Building and building on how how I wanted that to develop and like the ending piano part working that in was that was totally new for this album so it's it's a combination of collecting all these things that I'm that sort of excited me in the past and then repurposing them to fulfill the 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 vision of you know whatever i'm trying to go for now i had some general feelings that i wanted to address for this album these just sort of vague feelings of isolation and feeling stuck and all this but then as the album goes on in the creation process the vision becomes more focused along the way almost halfway through the album creation process i started to really hone in on this whole visual metaphor thing about being stuck in this valley of just like blizzard and snow and mountains everywhere and you just don't know where to go and you you feel completely stuck and alone and hopeless and really the album was about a journey sort of a descent into that place and also the beginnings of uh finding an escape out of that place and i'd say as the album creation process went on i started to judge tracks more on if they really met that narrative goal and if if they were in line with that sort of aesthetic vision
0: One of the hallmarks of Nick's fantastic 2018 album, A Stroke of Blue, is its careful balance of felted piano and electronics. It's an album that's full of accessible moments that twist in just the right way. Depending on the listener, the album's X factor could be the unexpected textures, or it could be the chord that perfectly roots an ambient soundscape. So I was curious to hear what his hopes were for listeners of Into the Valley.
1: I didn't want listeners to feel... Too comfortable or familiar. I wanted them to feel sort of confused, because at times, sort of as a reflection of the just mental confusion I was going through. Basically, like "Drums and Drama" is very much like a. There's no pitch in that song except for the chord at the end, um, and that was that was a, a super deliberate choice. I think sometimes I was so just sort of lost and anxious and depressed that I, I didn't even sometimes just language exhausted me just reading or seeing words or hearing anything or listening to music. So often I, I, I didn't want to hear anything. And so I think drums and drama is kind of about that. It's about stripping away these sort of emotional anchors into this feeling of just like total sort of numbness, like overwhelming numbness. Into the Valley is about the moments of real sort of emotional panic with a lot of like mental melodrama going on and then drums and drama was sort of like when after that feeling you just feel totally like numb and you don't feel anything so i think that that is part of a low point northern lights is also that's a pretty heavy track i think tone wise and a a little more direct emotionally um i I think i think that's it's kind of two different forms of a low point like you can feel like very emotional and you know like listening to sad songs and like all this you know feeling that kind of sadness and then there's the sadness of just you know i don't know what to feel Plum Butter was a a big big character on the album. I think all of the like pretty much all the noise and textural stuff, and all the like electronic drums you'll hear that everything on the album is is Plum Butter. It was it is an it is an experience to try and tame that tool into the album creation process. Like, on drums and drama, I had set the rolls such that they mostly stayed in time. Very strange. Like, every 13th or 14th, like, hit of this, the you know, one of the drums, it would just, like, be completely out of time. On that track, there was actually a lot of editing and, and sort of letting some accidental rhythms happen. But then there was also, I was, there's a lot that was taken out <laughs> that could not have stayed in there. As an instrument that is it is in charge like you are you're trying to steer the ship but it it has final say (laughs) there's a like a wooden beam that goes across my piano like where the keys end and it's it's weirdly like not dense and i just like noticed one day like okay like how does it sound if i throw the mics up real close and hold down the sustain pedal and just bang on the piano (laughs) And it, with you know, with the right technique and processing, it kind of sounded okay. And so I, I sort of took that idea and I was like, okay, how can I make this even cooler? Like, how can I take this, use processing and reverb and panning to turn this very simple idea of like using a piano very much not how it's supposed to be used? How how can I make this interesting and turn this into some sort of space that people can inhabit? The piano, if you do it right it like it can be like a drum and then you know that can mean both literally banging on it or it can mean playing it you know dampening the strings or just um like on this album there's lots of um fourths and fifths are like everywhere it's it's very much like i almost think about it like i'm playing a marimba at times like it's it's very much that sort of thing like as opposed to thinking about it as, okay, this piano just has to be this, this, you know, the traditional melody, melody, right hand, line left hand sort of thing. It, it, it can be this, this very open sounding bell, like malleted instrument sounding percussive thing. But I think that ties back to... What was happening um with just my own perspective on music of just breaking away these notions of this tool has to do this thing it it, it's it is for this purpose it can only make this kind of music as opposed to i don't know it's it's all just sound a piano can be a drum a drum can you know be something else and i think it i'm really I'm really fortunate for that. I think a lot of people get sort of stuck in these sort of tropes of genre and get sort of stuck and feel like they have to adhere to these sort of constructs in their mind of where everything goes. I, it, it, it's been a lot of fun to sort of feel that break away. It's just such a fun way to make music when those, those, those barriers break down, I think. It's all the same. It's all just sound and feeling. I'm not trying to make tracks to like be clever. Compositionally, I think most of my music is is really simple. And so a lot of the complexity comes down to the sound. And so I think people can sort of, they can anchor themselves to these, these pretty straightforward harmonic things going on. So they don't feel completely lost, um, but then they can sort of feel grounded but then also feel these new sounds they hadn't heard before from these electronics. It's just so fun to put a piano through a tape machine. It's just so, there's something very, very inspiring about that combination. Nagra phase was, um, with this Nagra 3 I have, I just recorded myself playing these three chords for like three minutes straight so one layer is just that like the regular take and then another layer is slowed down by half and then another layer is slowed down by four times it took a while to find the right sort of voicing to make these things work together but a really cool thing happened that i probably wouldn't have come across if i was just writing on the piano of just the way these like sort of accidental harmonies that were made by the way these things were facing with each other. I think that's part of it. It, it, Part of the joy of processing is is a lot of really unexpected results can happen that are really inspiring and make you sort of rethink the source. I saw... Uh, Niels Fromm probably like a year after I graduated maybe a little earlier and that was when I was like okay wait you, you can make this kind of music and people will actually listen to it like there are actually people that enjoy listening to this kind of music knowing that there was some audience out there I think was a big part of letting myself feel completely free to just if I was feeling Trapped in certain genres or harmonies, I, it was okay for me to walk outside of those boundaries. That that there would there would be some people that would follow me there. When it comes to the blend of traditional instruments and electronics, I think something really cool about that is that like Nagra I it's it's open fifths. It's like three open fifth voicings. anybody anybody could play that but it's about how you take that idea and process it and turn it into some kind of space for the listener to occupy. I think there's, there's just so much that real instruments have to offer. And I think it helps anchor people a little bit and give them a bit of familiarity. Like, okay. Like I know what a felt piano sounds like. This is pleasant. Like I I put, put, puts them at ease maybe a little bit. Like, okay. Like I, I trust this, this artist, they're not just making something completely out there that i don't understand like there are things that i do understand and so maybe they take that familiar trust and then hopefully that trust transfers to the tracks that go a little bit further out there and maybe breaks people's sort of intimidations down and makes them think about things a little bit differently There's a profound sense of self-doubt and self-critique that I think all of us musicians go through constantly. I mean, for me so far, every album creation process has been not an easy experience. Like by the end, I'm just totally creatively exhausted and I like I I didn't touch my sense or piano for probably two or three months after. I just like needing space from constantly sort of self-analysis. And so I feel like it's something that maybe people don't talk about enough as musicians. Like we always we see is people's output and all their their good times and victories. And I feel like maybe we don't often see the, you know, sort of less glamorous side of being a musician, but I've, it's something that I feel like, I mean, like going to Berkeley, I have tons of musician friends. It's something that's just absolutely universal in my experience. Whenever I see someone expose themselves and make themselves vulnerable and, you know, sort of take away the facade of, you know, they're this perfect genius artist and sort of reveal the, the the underbelly of the process, that always made me feel much, much better. I wanted to both explore it both just to better understand those feelings for myself, but also just to put out the energy into the world that, that others are going through this so that, you know, maybe someone else can, can feel a little more confident about themselves. I think of another really common thing for musicians is to over listen to their own music and then become extremely sick of it. Um, And that absolutely still happens to me. I think I've very deliberately thought about that problem and have sort of adopted the approach of really noticing the things that excite me a lot in that first moment when they happen and remembering that and remembering, okay, if this excited me that much the first time I heard it, there's a decent chance that it can have that feeling for someone else um and so even if i'm you know after days and days of working on it if i'm sick of it i just i i think back to that moment and i i hold on to that and so often i i have no clue what track people will actually like the most like i'm constantly surprised by th- tracks that i don't think are the best that people prefer it's like you have it's a really cool part of the process to see how listeners engage with your music because you oftentimes see your own music through a totally different light I think we can often put composers or artists on these sort of unreachable pedestals and we feel like we have to trace their path and and sort of find some kind of just deep deep expertise that we don't have um, but I think What I've realized, I think what a lot of people probably realize is that so much of the process is, is play is just messing around and you don't know what you're doing, but you identify what's good and what's not. This is something I guess I keep coming back to. It's, it's not this perfect process. Like these people aren't all like unattainable geniuses. Like if you've got the feelings, if you've got the time and patience to sort of figure out how to use these tools to your advantage. Um, and just just ide- being really honest with yourself and noticing what excites you in the process of making. The sky's the limit. Like you don't you don't have to be some theory genius to make good music. that happened for me over the past year or two was those sort of ideas of genre and, and categorizing instruments into their, their, you know, their intended roles, quote unquote, those sorts of things for whatever reason started to sort of break down in my mind, those barriers. And it almost started to feel like no like everything these are all the same like a synth is the same as a piano like it's all just it's all just sound it's just it's i don't have to think about the piano as okay on the piano i, I can only make this kind of stuff and I, I could never combine it with this electronic stuff because it, it'll be too different and people will be like i wanted to listen to felt piano but what is this electronic stuff it's like no i that, I feel some sort of connection between all these things, so it, surely someone else does. So That's sort of my approach. The last track, Mumby G, I wrote that in November, I think. Um, and that was, that's an example of a track that actually was very much inspired by a concrete idea. It was a random day just going for a walk in autumn. And it was like, I, I was walking and so often when I walk, I sort of like look down at my feet, <laughs> but I, I looked up and I was like blown away for some reason just by the leaves that day and is like the first time in a while I just like felt that kind of gratitude for anything and so I was like okay I gotta just like find a way to just I like went home really quickly and just sat at the piano and wrote that and it, it there's a touch of melancholy but it's it's got a it's definitely the most hopeful song of the album and so that that's why it's 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 the last one
0: speaking with Nick I was reminded how the balance between will and self-care is often tense. Nick's an incredibly talented and driven artist, and it was staggering to hear him talk openly about the challenges he faced while finishing this work, and to confirm that coming out of the valley isn't some momentous break of clarity. It's small moments of grace. This was episode 20 of Sound and Process. It was lovingly assembled and edited by Matt Lowry. I'm so grateful for his willingness to give his energy and expertise toward this project and toward the Lines community. Sound and Process is an exploration of Lines, so come join the conversation at LLLLLL.co. That's 8 Thanks for listening.